Hi, everybody. This is Chuck Sipe here with another episode of Schoolhouse Rocks, a podcast. Uh, today, our focus is going to be on some recent adjustments and planning uh, to our math sequence as it pertains to the pathways that lead to high school and future young adult success. So let me start by introducing my colleagues who are here today who have really been instrumental in evaluating and planning these adjustments over the last couple of years and for the next couple of years. So let's start by introducing ourselves, and then we'll get right into it today. Hi, I'm Erica Kelly. I'm the Pre-K through 6 Applied Sciences and Mathematics Supervisor. And I'm Jeff Fashina. I am the Supervisor of Mathematics, Business, and Family Consumer Science here at Roxbury Schools for grades 7 through 12. So in the spirit of full disclosure, I'm also a former math teacher. So, um, you know, this is certainly an area that I'm incredibly interested in both professionally and personally. So um, the, the real goal of what we want to accomplish today is talking about some of what you both have planned and the process you took towards that planning, including how you've collaborated with teachers on the rollout process for the adjustment of grades six through eight mathematics and what that will do to the high school program. Uh, you know, the the benefits are really um, plentiful. And so we're going to get to that by the end of this. So that's, that's our real goal, you know, um, the overarching goal of this work that you two really undertook um, for the last couple of years, I'll say, is seeking to provide the opportunity for all students to be able to actualize success in math, right? How do we move away from, uh, hopefully not intentionally, but at, you know, at best unintentionally teaching some students that math, quote, isn't for them. Uh, we've previously discussed the idea of the math person, and hopefully we've debunked that a little bit. Um, but, you know, then moving from the theoretical opportunities we want students to have in math, moving more towards the tangible structural curricular components. It, you know, it's nice to say we want all students to feel that they can be successful in math, but now what are we actually doing to build that framework in so students can be a part of that process? So let's start there. Talk about the work that you both did and that you undertook to evaluate the standards for mathematical practice. And I would love for you to share a little bit about that because I'm pretty confident not everyone knows what those are. Mm -hmm. And then talk about how that connects with these New Jersey student learning standards and how those two concepts came together to help reframe and rebuild our six through eight program. So I think in terms of thinking about the mathematical practices and also what we did in terms of our work with the New Jersey state standards and kind of the relineation of the middle school courses leading up into the high school courses really revolves around the overarching idea of the connection between mathematical application and understanding of the actual concepts. So if you think about mathematical rigor, there's conceptual understanding, there's procedural fluency, and then there's application. But rather than treat them as isolation, what the mathematical practices really do is they build a bridge for them to really be fluid with one another. And we were trying to figure out through our work, um, sitting down with each other and kind of looking at the standards and looking at the lineation of courses, we were trying to figure out how could we really embed these mathematical practices into our coursework so much more meaningfully. So if you think about the mathematical practices, we hear a lot of terms like perseverance, where students are making sense of problems. And this really just is like students trying problems many times to understand and solve the math problem. Whereas they might also have um, certain activities where they have to reason abstractly or quantitatively. So basically just reasoning about the math, how is it working out in their head? What's the procedure? Where are they? Where's the entry point that they're going into a math problem and how are they being successful in that math problem? 
while also still trying to conduct construct viable arguments. So what was the plan they first approached it with? What was the strategy? How did they solve it? And how could they discuss that with their peers or even their teachers? Um, a big one in the elementary world, and I know this kind of transposes all the way up to high school too, is modeling within mathematics. We always tell students, model your thinking. Um, show me some math symbols, show me some pictures or representations to really model your thinking. And that goes hand in hand with the CRA approach that we use in the elementary realm, where students are using that concrete um, manipulative, but then eventually bridging over to the model to represent their thinking, and then bridging over to the abstract, where then you can bring in their reasoning, their viable arguments, and their perseverance. I don't know if, Jeff, you want to speak to the other few mathematical sure. practices. So um, as students get older, there's various tools that they could help uh, help them use to you know, solve problems or think uh, about certain tasks and stuff. And that's you know, them using the appropriate tools strategically. Uh, we get more advanced with calculators. We get advanced with um, various geometric construction tools and so on. Uh, one big thing to pay attention through everything is attending to precision. Um, and, you know, we use those tools to make sure that we're precise with our calculations, make sure our numbers make sense and so on and so forth. Um, and speaking of making sense, you know, we want to look for and make use of structure. We want to see structure within our problems, uh, look for patterns, you know, look for and express regularity and repeated reasoning. So these standards for mathematical practice are things that our students are doing uh, no matter what course they're taking in mathematics, grades K through 12. Right. So all these practices students are doing, whether they're in AP calculus or kindergarten math. Um, and there's a lot of things there that help them learn the content within the standards, develop that conceptual understanding and procedural fluency through these practices as well. So moving forward into the course sequencing for mathematics here at Roxbury, um, what we did was we kind of analyzed what we had. Right. And it's funny, as we're sitting here talking, I'm thinking to myself, the word mathematics, it's plural, but we always say math instead. In other cultures around the world, it is called maths. Um, you know, you hear some people say that. So there is a variety of mathematics available for students to learn and to be interested in. However, what we were offering basically was one type of math and one track. Right. So we tried to look for avenues and ways that we could offer a variety of things. So hold on, I'm going to jump in real fast just to clarify for everyone. So you you both have given a really great um, explanation and identification of what we would call the standards for mathematical practice. So if that introduction sounds new to you or interesting, hopefully it's both, um, hopefully it's at least interesting, I guess, uh, you can certainly look that up. Um, it's on all over the internet. And hopefully those standards for mathematical practice are present in every math classroom, K to 12, as Jeff just said. So you took that information, right? I'm trying to talk through the process we use so everyone kind of can get to the finish line here, which is the high school pathway at the end of this session. You took those standards for mathematical practice. You examined how they are implemented or not, let's be fair, in our classrooms. But then you put it next to the standard. So real quick, um, by what you know, what does curriculum design look like? Schools are required to implement instruction aligned with the New Jersey student learning standards. And so the, the philosophy, the approach, the attack strategy certainly is up to the district's discretion, but there are things we need to teach over the course of the mathematical progression into high school. And so what you guys did is you took those standards, you looked at them in comparison to our existing curriculum and considered 
what is most appropriate where, including where is it recommended to be taught? Because I think what you can explain here is we found some things that were probably not being taught in the right grade levels and compared to where they were suggested to be taught. And then as you compared that to the trajectory, what you really did to break it down in simple terms is you took the, the stuff we teach in math and compared it to what we are supposed to teach mm-hmm. and then identified any discrepancies and made, for, made room for adjustments in the six through eight trajectory. So having had said all of that, talk about your work because you guys did hours and hours and hours of analysis of standards, kind of that heavy lifting hard work that is not fun. Uh, it's not popular, but it's really important. Um, and so thank you for doing that for our, our community and for our kids. But talk about it in a way that any parent or you know someone listening at home would, would make sense of why that's important and what it looks like. Well, I think for the we started off with the mathematical practices, and I really want to form a connection for the parents listening to this podcast, too. And why we kind of started off with that is because it's so multifaceted. You have these mathematical practices that could be embedded within the curriculum and linked to the standards, but it also could be embedded just within instructional strategies and practices within the classroom. So with that in mind, what we really tried doing was we looked and we sat down and looked at our old curriculum as to like what we have now with the standards at each grade level. We looked at where we want to go in terms of our overarching goal of making like success for all students in math. And then we also looked at the element of the standards of the mathematical practices. And we had this trifold of information where we really needed to meld it together to make a more meaningful math sequence for the kiddos. And when we really started getting into, let's say, the sixth grade standards, so much of the sixth grade standards align to the math seventh grade standards that they're almost hand in hand. They run very parallel to each other. So we said to ourselves, Why is it so that we're having students learn these standards to learn them just more deeply at a deeper level come next year and spending two years on these standards rather than integrating it down to one where eventually we could have eighth graders take algebra one so that they enter into different pathways come to high school, depending on their interests, what they want to do in the real world in terms of a career, or even where they see themselves going in terms of mathematics itself. Um, So I would say when we really sat down and looked at all of this information that we had in front of each other, we tiered the standards down so that we made them run parallel with each other rather than having the students take them in separate years. So let's say we had a sixth grade standard that touched upon ratios and proportions with a seventh grade standard that also touched upon ratios and proportions. We actually linked those two standards together where students are gonna get to experience and learn the sixth grade standard, but then they're going to embed the mathematical practices to understand it more deeply touching upon the seventh grade standard. So what I heard you say and what others will hear you say, so I'm saying it to facilitate additional explanation and conversation here, is what you broke what we did by way of adjustment with the standards and how it impacted the curriculum was we essentially dismantle we're dismantling the tracking that started in sixth grade and that might be concerning to some parents so i want us to talk about that and explain what it really means for kids um because there's an explanation and answer for that and there's a purpose uh in terms of that overarching goal of supporting the idea that all students can be successful math so that question's gonna be out there, let's address that. What happened to the accelerated track six, seven, and eight based on what you just said? 
Yeah, so the accelerated tract, is, there's various reasons um, the way it was implemented and uh, the system that we had here for years. And, you know, the, the purpose behind it really is that high school math could be offered as five courses. Unfortunately, there's only four years of high school. So, hey, if you do the math, there's not enough room there, right? So what we had was an accelerated track where students exiting fifth grade going into sixth grade would be tracked into an accelerated uh, course. So this way they would get prepared for algebra one in eighth grade and then eventually potentially take calculus their senior year to get through those five courses of high school math. Um, what unfortunately is happening then is, is you're having an 11 year old walk out of fifth grade math being evaluated whether or not as an 18 year old they have the ability or even the opportunity to take a calculus course, right? And if at any time, if a student figures it out, if they get better with math, right? Because we all have a growth mindset, we all wanna do better. Um, if they wanted to get back onto that accelerated track, they had to perform behind their peers. So by dismantling that program, based upon research from NCTM, the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics, uh, various researchers like Joe Bowler, um, who works at uh, Stanford uh, University in math education, you know, we're detracking at a younger age in order to open up the same opportunities for all students. Um, it allows students to work together more cooperatively, more collaboratively, to learn from one another, to problem solve together. And it eliminates the idea of I'm bad at math because I was placed in that class, which then itself turns into a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, right. so the reality is what I just heard you say is the accelerated track hasn't been dismantled and abandoned. We've actually recalibrated our curriculum to afford every student an opportunity to access that curriculum sequence because that's what the standards say we should do and that's what the experts right. are indicating. Correct. Right. Yeah. And you know, we we're here to develop talent, I feel, and we're not here to choose the talent, right? Mm -hmm. We want to give every kid that opportunity walking out of here as, you know, a graduate of Roxbury Schools with the tools to be successful in any avenue that they so choose, right? Mm -hmm. So opening those opportunities to all students does that for them. Um, I think the beauty too of this and kind of detracking away from what we had in the past was that the fact that whether you're a struggling student or whether you have a student that's excelling, the math course is going to be really tailored to them. So even though it's one curriculum where all the students have the access to that curriculum where it's sixth and seventh grade standards within one course, it's going to be instructed in different means and methodologies where students are really going to have opportunities for enrichment or for discovery or exploratory based learning or even application. Whereas if a kiddo is struggling, they're also going to have that opportunity for help through the instructional methodologies. So it's not so much just the focus on whether it's homogeneous or heterogeneous with groupings or whether it's the standards being aligned with each other and now everyone has access to the same class because they're really working as a marriage hand in hand with each other. It's just that everyone has the accessibility to now be successful within mathematics. And we're not telling students where they specifically need to go based on their readiness levels, but that's more embedded within the instructional strategies used within the classroom. And what's really exciting for me and might go unknown or unnoticed by the community is you both have done a lot of work alongside teachers at all our grade levels to identify instructional supplements mm -hmm. that will provide opportunities to deliver that instruction you just described. In fact, we're implementing that program this year, K through five. Mm -hmm. And next year, the plan is to roll that six up 
through eight. So we're actually establishing more of a common language to align with the curriculum, right? People often mix those two things up like synonyms, curriculum and supplement, right? So the curriculum drives the instruction is connected to the standards. School districts identify supplemental materials frequently referred to as textbooks that enhance that instruction, provide opportunities for tiering, for differentiation, which is a much more commonly accepted word for what I'm talking about here. But you guys have really worked with your teachers to design a UBD structured of curriculum. And to put that simply, it's really establishing a format where curriculum can be uh, afforded to a variety of student ability levels within the same class also right, recognized as heterogeneous grouping, mm-hmm. Six, mm-hmm. Through, um, six through eight, so that we can get to the real goal here today mm-hmm. is to kind of unveil and begin talking about for the first time the math pathways, right? So in order to introduce that, one of the things that's really challenging and we need to acknowledge, and it's going to be uncomfortable, is that education, like any other industry, evolves. It grows. It get We learn more about brains. We learn more about learning. We learn more about teaching, right? Um, Anyone who doesn't do that in education is doing a disservice to the students in the community or in the schools. So we continue to examine our practices. We continue to examine research to ensure that we're providing the best opportunity. Now, a traditional instructional track has kind of every kid, as we talk about behind the scenes, on the train to calculus. Mm -hmm. The reality is that's not the train most kids A, wants to be on, B, need to be on, right? Certain students in certain professions require that exposure to pre-calculus and calculus. That's awesome. Those programs are available to students. Uh, We have teachers really delivering high-quality instruction in that area. Mm -hmm. But what if you want to be a journalist? What if you have a career aspiration that doesn't require the train to calculus? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that because all of these pieces of realignment of curriculum really bring us to the most important part, which is... My kid's going into high school. How have, how will those experiences in that curriculum provide them an opportunity to move into successful adult life, whatever that means, career or um, identification, college, post-secondary, whatever, wherever I'm going, how, what are you going to provide my student mm-hmm. that gives them an opportunity to be successful for them as opposed to for you? Right. So your typical traditional mathematical courses, you might as well call every course prior to calculus pre-calculus, right? We call them algebra one, geometry, algebra two, and then pre-calc, but you might as well be pre-calc one, pre-calc two, and so on and so forth, right? And I say that a little sarcastically, but in reality, you know, as a former AP Calc teacher, when I actually went for the AP training, that was a line that was said to me by an AP Calc te- uh, uh, trainer, you know, that that's what you were doing with all of these courses. So consistently putting all students in all of these courses all the time, is really doing a disservice to students that don't want to take calculus. So by reorganizing how we you know, structured our standards in the middle grades, we were able to then also restructure how we offered math courses uh, in the high school. Now, the state of New Jersey says every student's got to take algebra and geometry. Not a problem, right? And we have the opportunity to take that uh, in eighth grade now moving forward um, and get a little bit of a head start here with other courses as well. But once you get after geometry, the, the state of New Jersey kind of leaves it open to uh, interpretation as far as a third year math course that extends upon those topics. So what we've done over the years is we start to kind of sprinkle in some courses and now we're really hitting it hard with a variety of courses uh, for students dependent upon what their interest levels are for future career pathways could be. Uh, one of those courses that we currently teach right now is called uh, Algebra for Financial Applications. We use a textbook called Financial Algebra to help supplement that. 
And that gives an opportunity for students to still learn mathematics, but through a financial lens and application. A new course that's out there that we're going to be adopting in the near future is called Data Science. Um, we are exposed to data so much nowadays um, on a daily basis through social media, through television, through everything, right? We're looking at graphs. We're looking at um, charts. We're looking at a variety of things just being thrown at us, and we're just taking all that in. But if we don't have the data literacy to truly understand what we're seeing, how are we going to make good decisions for ourselves, good decisions for our companies, good decisions for our places of business, whatever it may be. So opening up that course will give students a taste of that data science and make them all more data literate. Uh, we are partnering with CCM in their Math for Liberal Arts course, uh, offering that here as a dual enrollment. So as Dr. Seip pointed out, like, what if I want to be a journalist? What's there for me? Well, great. That's a liberal art, right? Journalism. So we have a course that we could partner with a college and offer you a dual enrollment possibility. So this way, you could take that course with us, learn a little bit of math. That's really helpful within that liberal arts degree eventually. Um, but while we're doing all that, we still maintain that typical pre-calc AP calculus uh, trajectory, right? For the student that wants to do that, or maybe is just really good at mathematics and wants to be challenged with it and continue going there, right? We don't expect all ninth graders to walk in knowing exactly what their career pathway is going to be. Actually, you don't want them to walk into ninth grade knowing exactly what they want to do, but be exposed to a lot of different things. So not only are we, you know, concerned with maybe potential career pathways, but interest levels too, you know? So we've kind of opened up uh, the pathways in a variety of ways based upon things in like a technical world, right? Where they're going, maybe going into a trade or something like that. Your humanities, your liberal arts, a statistics or finance pathway, as well as your typical engineering sciences, which would be your typical going to calculus track. I do want to step in, Jeff, and just really kind of point out and the beauty of how you said that we don't necessarily also want kids to know where they want to go come ninth grade. Right. And I think what we did when we really sat down and talked about the math pathways as a whole group, the three of us, um, what we did was we really tried to align the first two years being the same exact courses. Right, right. And whether the students take Algebra 1 come 8th grade or ninth grade, it's still the starting point mm -hmm. for every one of the four pathways. And then the next course is geometry for every one of the four pathways. So realistically, it's not until grades 10 or 11 that students really start branching out into different math courses based on the pathway that they choose right. so that they have some time to just get acclimated to high school, mm -hmm. figure out where they want to go, what they want to do, what colleges they maybe want to look at. But then it really comes down to that 10th grade, 11th grade time frame where they start branching to mm -hmm. different math courses. Yep. And, and my, you know, I love hearing you guys talk about the work you've done and the future vision of providing opportunities for our students and that's the thing that I think is the most important here is the goal that when students get to 10th or 11th grade, as Erica just talked about, they're making that decision about their future relationship with math based on how it will impact their adult life, not based on something they were probably accidentally taught about who they are as a potential mathematician. Mm -hmm. And I think the idea that you're expanding exposure to math to more realistic and life-ready opportunities like data science. I know you it's not doesn't really fit in here as as um, connected as something like algebra two or pre-calc would, but you've expanded access to computer science. Our teachers are right. really engaged in programming and robotics. We have opportunities outside of school. So 
I think the way that you guys have worked to restructure the sequence to afford every student opportunities to meet with the greatest possible success while making sure we tier in supports where needed, come that 10th or 11th grade year, they're really going to be able to make choices that are beneficial for them based on what their goals and aspirations are, as opposed to the typical traditional math sequence trained to calculus. Mm -hmm. Not to suggest there aren't going to be plenty of adults along the way to help them, because we don't expect our students to know exactly where they're going. Mm -hmm. That's part of our job is to help frame that out and support them. But the idea that you're opening up a much more uh, diverse collection of opportunities is really exciting for me, because I think what it will do is help students understand um, their relationship with math as they move into adult life and recognize that there are opportunities to be successful in it um, mm -hmm. in a way that is meaningful and purposeful for them. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Uh, I'm really thankful for the work you both have done, for the information you've shared. Any last thoughts before we get out of here? I would just say if anyone has any questions, they can always reach out to us, whether it be a phone call or email. We're more than happy to talk about the different avenues mm -hmm. in terms of the middle school mathematics with the adjustments and how that really kind of transposes into the math pathways. And I would leave off with one thing. No matter what you think, you are a math person. I love it. That's a great way to end. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day.